my Redeemer. Once again, I mean, they'll say that. You know it. Oh, I know my Redeemer lives. I'm so glad I know my Redeemer lives. Thank you, Lord. Testifies and this life was in me Christ. I know my Redeemer. Everybody once again. Oh, I know my Redeemer, my healer, my deliverer lives. I'm so glad I know my Redeemer. all his creation testifies and his life within me cries I know my Redeemer lives praise the Lord let me knows it let me give you another evidence that you can take home with you tonight We've been praying for Brother Homer Blinken. Everybody remembers Brother Homer Blinken. Been dealing with cancer, and he went to the doctor today to get another chemotherapy treatment. And they checked his blood and all the stats and things and said, you don't even need it. As a matter of fact, it looks like you've never even had cancer. That's my Redeemer. Hallelujah. I'm glad we're serving a living God. I personally would have a hard time serving an idol. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you have a hard time serving a God that your wife was in there wiping the furniture off one day and she knocked your God off on the floor and broke his ear off? Broke his nose off. He'd have to get a nose job at a, you know, a God repair shop. Oh, I'm so glad we're serving a living, resurrected Lord. Praise the Lord. Isn't it a privilege for us to be gathered together again tonight in the house of God? We're going to pray. I wonder how many has a need or request on your heart tonight. <clears throat> also, I'd like to mention to you about Erica. I know that you've been praying for her and she's been running a fever since Sunday. They had to give her two units of platelets and still running a fever. Got up to a little over 102. They've done all kinds of tests trying to find it couldn't find it until this morning. They did another test, and then this afternoon they got the result of that test, and it was MRSA. Many of you know what MRSA is. And uh, they called it a superbug. I just kind of laughed when I read that meaning because I thought, what's a superbug compared to a super God and a super church and a super race and (laughs) a super hour that we're living in? Uh, so thank the Lord they finally got her in a room uh, this evening right before we came to church. So we want you to be remembering her, if you will, that the Lord will just move for her and give the doctors wisdom to be able to know how to, how to deal with it. When uh, Sister Donna of Susong sent this testimony about Brother Homer uh, to Carol before church, I told her, I said, send it to Erica. That'll be an encouragement to her. So she sent it to her and said, you may be next. Right. Praise the Lord. Well, that's what we're waiting for, isn't it? And your need. Praise the Lord. 
So we're not just concerned about Erica, of course. We're not just concerned about Brother Homer. We're concerned about your needs and your children and whatever that you have need of in your life. So let's approach him tonight and ask him to help us as we look into the word as well. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to you that we could be here in this place once again. Lord Jesus, we just love you so much. As Brother Dave said a while ago, Lord, we bring our petitions before you and our requests and our desires and you've told us to. Lord, you even told us by the mouth of your prophet to ask for great things and many of them. So we don't feel like that we're wearing you out by constantly bringing our needs. And the closer we get to the end of the way, it seems like the more needs and requests that we have. But it also gives us opportunities to believe you for the supernatural. We've seen you do so much among us, it would be a sin for us to disbelieve. So we're asking tonight in the name of Jesus that you'd move for the needs of your children. We thank you so much for that testimony about Brother Homer. Lord God, thank you, Father. Lord, we're just so grateful and appreciative that you move for our brother. We're just thanking you for it right now, Lord Jesus. We just give you praise. Now, Lord, we have these other needs and requests that are unanswered yet, but faith says they're already ours. So we claim it. We believe it as if though they're in our possession now. We're asking, Lord, that you be mindful of Erica. We're asking, Lord, that you be mindful of all the needs and the requests of your children that had a hand uplifted, those that were streaming the service and many, many needs and desires. We pray, Father, that you would just help us, Lord, that we can believe with all of our hearts. Now, as we endeavor to look into your word, I pray that you'd help me. Move me aside, Lord, that I can be able to just be an instrument, as it were, a microphone that you can take in your hands and speak the words of life through me. In Jesus' name, amen. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. While you're turning there, I want to say this to you before we read. I have desired to eat this supper with you. I have desired to eat this supper with you. I've had this in preparation for several weeks, and I had Brother Darrell to speak, of course, and then Brother Aaron, it's been Wednesday night that I wasn't here going to Brother David's, and it's something that's been on my heart, and I believe that it'll be a benefit to us. You say, why'd you call that supper? Well, it's the bride's supper. We feed on the unfailing body word of the Son of Man. We realize why everybody can't feed on this message. It makes them sick at their stomach. But it's right exactly what we need. Now, let's, let's read for a foundation from the master builder, Paul. 1 Corinthians 3.11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. The day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now remember the Bible, for the most part, is written in the masculine gender. 
Now I know that that is so upsetting to the age that we're living. But this is my reply to you. Get over it. <laughs> we don't have a Queen James Bible. We have a King James. And our Bible is written in pronouns. And if they don't like it, lump it. I don't care. I've already woke in the resurrection. That's why I'm not part of the woke. Because I've already woke up. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So every man is not just the masculine gender, of course, at all. But it's men and women, boys and girls. Listen in verse 14. And if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So works and salvation are two different things. May God bless his words, you may be seated. How many believes that works are important? What you do for God, what you do for others, how you serve the Lord. I realize that because of this grace where that uh, people so talk about grace, many of them don't even understand it anyway, but uh, they have so abused the word grace. And when you talk about works and things that you've got to do, many people don't even like to go that way because they get it confused in their mind. Well, if I have to do anything, then that makes the cross of none effect. No, it's two separate things. You see, grace is what he did for me. Works is what I do for him. So there's nothing we can ever do to be able to buy our salvation, to buy a ticket to heaven. There's nothing we can ever do, never accumulate enough goodness, enough works, enough things so where we could ever repay him. God is not doing a, a loan service to where God's going to loan us salvation and then God's going to charge us so much interest and then we pay the loan back. It is a gift to you. You'll never have to pay back for your salvation. But that does not exclude works that we do. And those works can include so many things. Now, for some, it will be what they will do for other people. It will be what they do for the church. It will be what they do for the work of God in the sense of monetary. Some will never have a lot of money where they would be able to support books, printing books, building churches, buying Bibles. They would just never be able to do that. But maybe they would be able to help someone that would be sick and they would think, well, maybe I could help prepare their family a meal. Maybe I would be able to do something like that. It would be so small. It wouldn't be small if they don't have any other means. It's a big thing. So the thing I've found in studying about works is that works are as different as the people who will do them. And one of the worst things we can do is to try to make people our example and say, well, I like what Brother Dave did. I think I'll try that. No, what you need to do is ask God, God, what do you want me to do? 
What have you put in my hands and what have you made me able to do? I love the way that Brother Branham deals with the simplicity even of the gospel cause and how that God would deal with people when they ask him in question answers about people knowing their position and what they're called to do. And he said, well, what I do, he said, I look at the person and I see what they're claiming they're called to be. And then I look at that individual and see if they have what they say they claim they're called to do. Because he said, God will work with his creature in the way that he made him. Now he said, say that a man says that he's called to be a pastor. And yet that man is a flighty type of a person. He said, God will never make a man like that a pastor. So his very makeup and his gift testifies against the call that he claims that he has. So a person that claims they're called to do this and that and the other, whatever it is, God will gift each of us in what we claim we're called to do. So if a person tries and they try and they try and they try and they can never succeed in what they think God has called them to do, it's probably a good chance they're not called to do what they think they're called to do. So more than likely they're called to do something else, but it may not be exactly their choice to do it. Ah, you see, there's the problem. Because a lot of times we have our own choice of what we want to do, and it's not always what God wants us to do. But God will gift us and make us in such a way that it will be complementary to the type of call that we have. Now, you watch a man, and whenever that man claims he's called to be an evangelist, he's called to travel around the world. And you watch him whenever he parks his car at the med center, and he goes in to pray for somebody. He comes out, he goes through the entire parking lot, blowing everybody's horn trying to find exactly where his car is. He has no sense of direction. More than likely, he's not an evangelist. Why? He don't know his way around. He can't get nowhere. So, you know, God gives an individual in the way they're called to do it. Oh, people say, well, I'm, I'm called to do this for God, and I'm called, but it's killing me. That don't make no sense to me. If God has called you to do something and you're always so beat down with what God has called you to do, it's probably time you need to relook at your calling. Not saying your load won't get heavy and it will not be difficult, but it makes no sense to me that God calls us to do something and drives us crazy batty while we're doing it. I mean, that don't even make any sense to me, does it, you? God will call us and God will equip us and what it will do is it will make the common people around you be mesmerized by the way God has called you, that within itself is a testimony that you are called. Because they have a little bit of an inclination as far as what you deal with, and they have a little bit of insight of the burden that you bear, and yet they see you dealing with it, they say, how in the world does she do that? How in the world does he do that? Well, it's because they're called and they're gifted to do it. Now, each of our works when we stand before God, and I don't want you to think now tonight, that I'm just speaking to the adults and our church only because every one of our young people are going to stand before the Lord Jesus. And you're not going to stand there with your mom and daddy. You're not going to stand there with your youth leader. 
You're not even going to stand there with your pastor and we will all stand there as a group and then the Lord will call our name. All right, Word of Life Church. Everyone that attended, come forward. I'm going to reward you all at one time. It will be an individual. Now, every young person sitting here tonight, you do not need to squander your use. You do not need to waste your use. But you need to go to God while you're a young man or a young woman and find out now, God, what do you want me to be? I have no regrets. But Brother Donnie, you, well, you give so much of your years to God. I only wish I could have given more. Give my heart to him when I was 12. Started preaching when I was 18. Ask me if I have any regrets. I'll answer you before you do. Not one. The only regret I've got is I've failed him so many times along the way. I do not regret giving God my teens, my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, my 50s, and the better part of my 60s. And if I have 70s, I'm going to give him that too. But I'm so glad that I did not waste my teens and my 20s and my 30s and my 40s. And then God finally get through my thick head that I was called to preach. And then me start out in my 50s. Can you imagine how much time that I would have wasted? Can you imagine how many years Brother Tim Pruitt would have wasted if he would have waited till he become 40 or 50 years old instead of started preaching when he was a teenager? I'm so grateful that God has got people that realize you don't have to wait to be a 50-year-old man or a 40-year-old woman before you can find what God wants you to do. Works are something that the Lamb of God will reward each of us for. Now remember, works and reward coincide together, not salvation. Salvation is set totally alone, and this is why that a person actually that are saved, and there will no doubt be millions of them that will fall in that category, and their works will be burned. They will have no record whatsoever that they've hardly done anything for God because what they did, they built upon the foundation, Jesus Christ, a denominational image that was not even true. They built upon it an image of stubble, an image of wood, an image of hay, but it was not the apostolic image of what the original doctrine from the apostles. So they stand before God and the fire will try their work and they baptize all these people in titles, every bit of it will be burned up. They spent years in seminary, the whole thing be consumed. They was loyal to a denomination, yet many of them will be saved, not brag, but saved as by fire, purging time, trying time. This is why the foolish virgin goes through the tribulation period to be purged. Remember that in the seventh seal, page 575, old seal book, threefold purpose of the sixth seal, threefold purpose of the seventh seal. And it was the sixth seal was to purge the earth, to purge the foolish virgin, and to purge 144,000. The reason the bride does not go through that time is because she's purged under the fullness of the atonement of Jesus Christ. And she accepted not only what he done on Calvary, but she's fully accepting what he's doing right here tonight, which is the unfolding of his mystery. But works are totally different than a person being saved. Now, Lot was a saved man. Y'all agree with that? God saved him, sent the angels down there. They drug him out. He was saved, but what kind of reward did he get? Wind up sleeping with his daughters, 
having children by them. And of course, there was nothing but a thorn in the side to Abraham's seed for all of those years. Nothing but a thorn. And yet we realize, was Lot bright? He was not. He was a penny, and Abraham, of course, excelled a hundred times over beyond what Lot could ever do. But God saved the man. So be careful whenever you're condemning some of these people out of here because only God knows really where every one of them will stand. So if I was you, I'd be good to them because it might be the only goodness they ever really see. Read with me in Titus chapter 3, verse 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain, careful to maintain good works. Now here's a man who preached grace like none of the rest of the apostles in the New Testament. But this man also wanted the church to be adorned with good works. He didn't just want them to start with good works, but he wanted them to maintain good works. Listen to this, which had believed in God might be careful. So he wanted them to be careful so they didn't just start out doing good works and then they become slack and say, well, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I can do. I, I just try to go to church and live my own life and just mind my own business and stay away from everybody else. That's the exact opposite of what the gospel calls us to do. Now notice what, what the word here, good. I found this is amazing. As I was looking at this, good is beautiful, handsome, excellent, eminent, choice, precious, useful, suitable, commendable, admirable, excellent in its nature and characteristics. That's what he uses to describe, describe rather, works. So he wants us to maintain things that are beautiful, things that are handsome, Things that have attributes that testify of the goodness of God. Let me just say, well, Brother Donnie, how am I going to know? Well, this is what you can do. You can judge the works that you do. Judge the treatment that you give to everybody. Sinners, saints, what you think are bride, what you think are foolish virgin, however you want to categorize them. And then run those works through this description and see if it describes it as beautiful and good and handsome and attractive to God's divine purpose. Judge your attitude toward those you go to church with. Well, somebody going to say amen or just look at me. Now notice he said that we might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Now notice he jumps down from that verse down to verse 14. He apparently wants them and us to be able to get this. Let ours also learn to maintain good works. Why in the world would he repeat this word for word again? Now, I want you to notice the way that he puts this in here, that it's not something that the Holy Ghost will automatically rain down on the people. And once you get the Holy Ghost, that works are just automatically rain down on your life and you never have to put forth any effort. But notice the word that he used here, that let ours also learn. So how are you going to learn? Well, you're going to learn by being preached to. You're going to learn by reading. You're going to be learning by listening to tapes, going to Bible study, going to youth meetings, so on like that, so that we can learn to maintain good works. How many wants to maintain good works? 
Now, this is the way we do it. Let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. So I want you to notice now that Paul links unfruitfulness with not very many good works. So there again, don't just think now that I'm preaching to the adults and those that's 30 and above, but I want every one of you young people that are here tonight, I want you to think as well about the works that you do and how you treat your fellow young people. And how that whenever you go to a youth camp, that you are representing me. You are representing our church. You are representing first and foremost, the Lord Jesus himself. Your treatment there, your treatment here, your treatment when you go to school, your treatment on the job, your treatment even when you're playing ball over here or when you're in the music room. Whatever you're doing, there is a record book. I would to God that every one of us would realize that there is what the Old Testament calls a book of remembrance that is being written. So our attitudes, our behavior, our treatment of one another, the things that we say, about one another behind one another's backs. Uh-oh, I can see this is gonna be one of them services where amens is gonna be like hen's teeth. And as you know, hens don't have no teeth. So I'm hoping y'all ain't a bunch of hens here tonight. I hope there's at least three or four eagles. Okay, at least half a dozen. All right, praise the Lord, I can preach them. So, you know, it is something that God wants us to realize. So in when our book of remembrance is opened up before the Lord. Now it's not your salvation, but it is the book that God is going to reward you, Brother Ben. Going to reward you, Brother Rob. Going to reward you, Brother Keith. So it will not be, well, I believe, I believe, I believe. You see, if we're not careful, we will think saying that covers absolutely everything. But here was a man who, who preached belief, which is the Greek word pistis. That's the word that it comes from. And another word from that pistilo. But it was all about believe, believing. But yet he also taught that there was works that must be done. And the works would not just start when you got saved, but they must be maintained. How many familiar with the word maintain? It's where we get the word maintenance from. So it's like you buying a car and then you get your little manual out. Most of us don't even read that thing. We throw it in the back of the car and forget it. But our little light built inside of our car, it will tell us when it's time to get an oil change. Now you can override that if you want to and keep on driving that thing for another 40,000 miles on that oil if it makes it that far. But it's up to you. If you wish to waste your money for that, then go ahead and do it. But I can tell you what's going to happen to your rods and your pistons and your crankshaft. That sludge will build up inside of there and over time, them rod bearings, they're going to start building up grit and all kinds of things around there. Every time you start your engine and drive that car to Walmart, you're just like taking abrasive substance on the inside of your crankshaft and it's going to just keep right on honing that little crank of yours right away. Or you can take it down to Jiffy Lube or somewhere else and get maintenance done. Uh, you see, this is what the Laodicean Christians don't like. They don't like Jiffy Lube preachers. Oh no, they want preachers that just, they want polished preachers. They want buffing preachers, but buff me real light now, buddy. Buff me real light. Just give me a little massage, would you? I'm gonna drag out the 80 grit tonight. If any of you's got any rust, I'm gonna take it down to the bone. <laughs> if you've got any debris and any buildup, I ain't dragging out the buffing tool. I'm dragging out the big grinder. 
Well, grind me, Lord, if I need grinding. That's the way I look at it. But you see, it requires maintenance. And we know that way. Our, our building here, our air conditioners, I'm sure you've seen these gigantic units that we've got here. We've got a maintenance contract so they can come in and check it and check the Freon and check this and check that. What's that gonna do? It's gonna save us in the long run. So they'll be able to tell us you need this, you need to do that ever so many hours or whatever. And it's the same way with Christians. It does us good to be able to look back and say, okay, so what am I doing? What am I doing with my life? What am I doing with my time? And you may not realize it now, but you will as you get older. One of the most precious things that you have is time. Time. Oh yeah, the older you get, the more you realize you've wasted a lot of it too. But the older you get, it's like you're saying, okay, Lord, what can I do with what time I have left? I want to delegate that time. I've got a family. I've got a wife. I've got children. I've got grandchildren. I've got this and that and the other. And I'm only one man. I've only got 24 hours in a day. I can only do 3,985,332 things in one day. But it seems like I need to do 13,975,318 things in one day. And when I lay down at night, Sometimes my mind is still trying to catch up. Anybody else on the same page? You say, how in the world can you do it? And if we're not careful, we'll get so busy with life and so busy with things that do not have eternal value at all. And we will let those things which are really the most important, we'll put them off. Prayer, reading our Bible, ministering to the saints of God, taking time to pick up your phone and just text somebody, hey, I was thinking about you. How you doing today? I just want you to know I'm praying for you. You realize that text might change somebody's life? That text might actually transform somebody's life to let them know that Jesus put them on your heart. That would do a whole lot more good. Don't get mad at me now. Then you standing out there on the course and you're trying to do a little par of this and par of that and par of something else and you're trying to do a hole in one. I can give you a good hole in one. Obey the Holy Ghost. That's a hole in one every time. That'll absolutely transform people's lives. Now, notice that Paul goes on now in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, and I find this so astounding. It's a very unusual uh, word play that he uses here. He said, let us consider one another. Let us consider one another. Now, friend, this is why, you've heard me preach against it for years and years, why that this move among the message is that people just stay home and they don't go to church and they don't fellowship and they don't be around the saints of God. Tell me, please, how you're gonna fulfill this verse. Let us consider one another. Now, I want you to notice he's not advising them now to be a busybody and to have your nose stuck in everybody else's business but he's saying that they should be interested in one another. If you see and notice that somebody hasn't been in church for a service or two, or sometimes we go on a trip and we're gone, but you know what? It shouldn't just be the deacon's responsibility or my responsibility to stand up here for the first 15 minutes and try to go through the roll and count, okay, let's see, somebody, who, who's normally such right there? Uh, brother, uh, somebody help me, uh, and who sits over there? That shouldn't just be my place. But if you're used to sitting by them and you've noticed, you know what, they've not been to church in a service or two. I think I'm just gonna call them. Hey, you doing okay? Just, I, I missed you in church. You, you never know sometimes what that does to somebody to encourage them. Well, Brother Donnie, that's the deacon's place. And where'd the message say that? The Bible tells you. Let us consider. 
Let us consider one another. Let us consider one another. You see, we're not, we're not intended as children of God to be selfish and so self-centered and about us and our family and our, my ideas and my mind, me and mine. God ever made us that way. What if your hand took that idea? What if your hand, your right hand, developed that selfish idea tonight and it decides it is sick and tired of being attached to that right arm? Sick of it. I am so fed up. My whole life I've been on this right arm. I've never got to be the head. I've never got to go to the belly. I wish I'd down there at the belly. Oh my, wouldn't you be strange looking if you had a hand right there? Brother Homer Longoria said he wished his mouth was right here. That way he could sit right at the table and just pull it right into his mouth. But he'd be a very strange looking fellow, wouldn't he? So what if your arm or your, your fingers or something said, you know what, I'm tired of this. I've never got to move around in the body. I've never got to explore. I don't, I don't even know anything else about the body. I've been here my whole life. I'm glad you've been there, little feller. And I'm really glad you've been there. Boy, you ever get a cut on that finger or that thumb and it's right there in the main avenue. You use that thing every day and you don't even realize how much you use that thing until you touch that sore place. I'll tell you, that's why we've got a lot of the message. We've got a lot of sore place Christians. Oh, 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 don't touch me. Oh, that hurt me. That hurt my feet. Oh, my goodness. Well, I guess you attended the wrong service because I didn't bring Band-Aids. I brought a machete. <laughs> Help us, Lord. That's exactly right. But notice Paul wanted the body to have a consideration of each other. What is it? It's a mutual consideration. You young people, do you realize what you ought to be to each other? You should not be a thorn in each other's side. But you should want to watch for your young brothers and your sisters a camaraderie to where that you're, you're so in love with each other that you don't even have to talk to them to where you just feel something's not right. They're going through a hard time. Something's not right. They, they need something. Oh, Lord, what is it, Lord? What a church we'd have at this place if every member of the body would take that on them. The Lord, what can I do? What can I do to benefit word of life? What can I do to help the young people, the young brothers that are bearing burdens and going through this and that and the other? Somebody say amen. amen. So we consider ourselves, our health, our financial situation, of course, our children. We consider so much about us. But what about our fellow brothers and sisters? You see, true Christianity brings us beyond our own nose. Some folks can see just maybe that far out. What do you want to do? You want to go to church? I didn't like Sunday service. I don't think we'll go back. I didn't want to either. Oh, so you think it's all about you. You coming to church is not all about what you get and what you think and how you think the service ought to go. Oh, Jesus. 
well, I'm, I'm kind of hoping I'll get to still be the pastor here for the dedication service, but who knows? I might be walking after this tonight. <laughs> now, I want you to notice that Paul is saying that we must be taught or trained. Now, I know every person in here thinks that they have just given birth with all their children to next to Gabriel and Michael and Wormwood and Raphael and Ariel and all the rest of the L's. But let me just correct you. You gave birth to a hybrid mongrel that was born between Satan and Eve. Which that makes me mad. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't realize you got mad at Brother Branham. Because Brother Branham said, every one of us that are born are born between Satan and Eve. Well, Brother Donnie, they've been raised in the message church. That ain't got one thing to do with it. They've got to be taught at home as well as behind the pulpit. Amen, Brother Donnie. You see, if we make this emphasis on our children, that they themselves, uh, see, I'm sure that some of you after the service will say, I didn't enjoy that supper. Oh, I've had a few suppers like that. I didn't enjoy myself. I'm kind of enjoying this supper tonight. I think it's really good. I think it's really lean. Yeah, I cut a lot of the calories and a lot of the wahoos and this and that and the other out. Let's just get right down where the rubber meets the road. What do you say? Let's just get right down where Christianity, real bold Christianity, and let's let the Lord just mold in us and shape in us broad material. Mm. You see, if we place the value and the importance in the hearts of our children, This is not just the Sunday school teacher's responsibility or the youth leaders, but more so the mother and father. Then it's not like, oh sure, some children are born more considerate than others, but there are none, none that are born as considerate as the Bible requires it. You see, the new birth changes everything about us. What I'm reading to you tonight is not attainable by any of our births. But I'm a preacher's kid. I don't care if you're a moron's kid. You're still gotta have the Holy Ghost. God might take a moron's kid and make more out of him than a preacher's kid as long as he's got the idea, bless God, I'm a PK. I was born in the field. I cut my teeth on the field. We're not talking about where you cut your teeth. We're talking about when you got the Holy Ghost and when the Spirit of God was able to instill something in you to help you as a young man say, Lord, when I walk before you that day, I want to walk up like this, empty-handed. Young brothers, wouldn't it be awesome if the Lord Jesus come tonight or in the morning? Now, your record in your book won't have near as many pages, no doubt, as mine, because I've lived longer than you. But wouldn't it be awesome if it comes this week or next week and you stand before the Lord and in your short life that God's given you, you have page after page after page Not gossiping text, because believe it or not, there's no reward for them. Oh, wow. Oh, you mean there's no reward for none of that TikTok stuff? You better spend more time, TikTok, in the things that matter instead of on TikTok. 
Y'all know about Instagram and you know about Facebook. I think we need to spend more of our time with our face in his book. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Think about it, friends. Do you think you're going to be rewarded for all the time you spend on Pinterest? No, I'm not against you doing that. As long as you keep everything in balance. But remember, your time, your time is one of your most sacred commodities. Brother Random said he never stole anything in his life that he knew of, except he stole time from God. Let me just venture out and say here tonight, there's probably every person in this building is a thief, including the man preaching to you. A thief of money, of somebody else's wife, time. Of the time God gave me, the time that God has given you. I've got years of my life. You don't know that. You don't know that you'll live till tomorrow. Oh, my. So we must train. We must teach. We must pray. We must break up the fallow ground and the hearts of our children. Let me say, this is why I so appreciate the desire of some of the older ones here to be able to be leaders to the youth. Don't we appreciate that? Ones that don't have an agenda. Let me say this also, how much I appreciate every sermon, every bit of time that Brother West spent preaching, studying, whatever more to benefit our use. I appreciate every young man that comes here, the visiting ministers that we've been having to benefit our youth, don't you? I appreciate Brother Rob. I appreciate Brother Joe. I appreciate the sisters that come and prepare the meals. That's all right. Go ahead and give them a hand clap. That takes from their time. But can you imagine when Brother Rob stands before God? And him and Sister Sarah walk before the Lord and the book is opened. And the Lord sees every phone call, every text, every meeting when he didn't really feel like coming, but he came anyway. Brother Joel, the same way. These young ministers that come in here and preach to us and they stand before the Lord and they might have thought, well, it sure didn't seem like nothing happened, but this person got healed, that one got delivered, this one got delivered, that one got delivered, and there they stand before God and say, Lord, I I remember that service. It sure seemed like it was awful hard. It didn't seem like there's nothing happened. God said, come look at it from my perspective. This one got saved. This one got the Holy Ghost. This one got healed. This one got delivered. You thought you didn't do anything. Oh, my. Oh, my. Notice Paul goes on to say, Let us consider one another to provoke. What an unusual word that he chooses to use here. Now, generally, especially in the English language, the way we look at provoke, it's generally not very good. Whenever I say somebody provoked me, I don't mean they tickled me and made me laugh. I don't mean they made me feel good. Generally, they stirred up something in me that I don't like in me. Oh, y'all sitting there looking at me like a bunch of angels, ain't you? 
But Paul chose this word because it means to incite, to incite, to stir up, to really get them roused, but not to anger. Read with me. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Wow. So every one of us have a reputation. Either you're a complainer, a grumbler, a liar, a gossiper, a sad face, the life of the party, or no party can stir you. Every one of us have a reputation and sometimes it's multifaceted. You understand, right? So depending on the mood you're in, where you are, so this certain aspect of your personality will come out in certain times and then other times you're known by this because of what you're going through. But every one of us are gonna answer to the Lord for what we do with the way that God has saved us and the position that God's given us. So we will either provoke people to anger We will provoke them when we get around them. I mean, we stir up one mess after another. Some people are known by that. Let me tell you why they're that way as adults. They started out that way as kids and nobody ever had enough nerve to tell them, you need to change. What's this air set on, Brother Jackie? Well, it's the truth. And if we think, well, it's just the way we are, well, we need to be changed. If we provoke people to anger, we provoke people to being upset, maybe we really need to check our provoking power. Thank you, Jesus. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love. And two good works. Wow. Now, good works, not for justification of salvation, but in order to be of a benefit to the body. Wow, wouldn't that be something to have that testimony that people say about you every time I get around him? I'm just so low. He'll get up on that piano. He'll go to play on that thing. It just seemed like it lifts my spirit. He may be lower than you are but God's gifted him. Same with Brother Larry and the rest of these musicians, they're gifted. You think these brothers are always on the mountain when they get up here? Sometimes they're probably so low, they feel like not even getting up on the organ or the guitar or the piano, whatever it is, but they get up here and they are faithful service after service. They'll give up their worship time. They give up their time to sit by their family. Why? So it can benefit you. So they can create an atmosphere so the word of God can come freely. Do we appreciate that? So what do these brothers do? What do the song leaders do? They are provoking you to good works. Here's one of them. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. That's a whole lot better for the song leader than I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I want you to notice the very next verse in your Bible. Sometimes Carol will come to me 
maybe on Friday or Saturday, sometimes even Thursday, and she'll say, what tape are you listening to? I just want to kind of be in tune with what you're going to preach. Or can you give me some scriptures of what you're going to kind of preach on so I can just kind of be ready? So yesterday we were sitting there at the house and I opened up this and I started sharing some of these with her. I want you to listen now to this, this verse again, verse 24. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And the very next verse is this one. Not forsaking the assembling. Oh, wow. You mean so we go from provoking one another to good works and the very next verse is the importance of going to church. Just be honest with me. Do any of you have near as much trouble going to Walmart as you coming to church? Ain't it amazing how all hell will break loose and you go to go to church? And it seems like every devil in hell will push you to Walmart. Go to Walmart. Go to Walmart. Go to Walmart. Go to Walmart. They know somebody's going to dent your new car and it's going to work on your temper when you get there. They know you're going to see this person and that person and you're going to go right for that parking spot and you head in there and somebody goes right, right in front of you. You say, you sorry thing. I was fixing uh huh. So you mean after good works? Yeah, don't you understand going to church? It's a great work. So after good works, then Paul says, not forsaking. Listen, friends, at the meaning of this word. Leave. Abandon. Desert. Leave in straits. Leave helpless. So when people forsake the assembling of themselves, I'm not talking about folks that are sick, folks that live so far they can't make it on Wednesday night, or you understand what I'm talking about, but people that just don't see the value of it. Or they just say, I don't need to go to church. I stay home and play tapes. I hear straight from the horse's mouth, shame on you for referring to our prophet as a horse. So when they forsake to go to church, this is the way God looks at it. They leave, they abandon, they desert, they leave in straits, they leave helpless, wow, totally abandoned. This is the way God looks at people that develops this attitude. And it is rampant all over the message. Then what about those that promote it and say this is the way of the end time? Oh, we're not even supposed to go to church no more. We're all supposed to gather around 12 o'clock and we're all supposed to listen to the same tape. Are we really? Well, let's see if that's what the Bible teaches. And if it doesn't, you're a false prophet. Forsaking not the assembling of ourselves. Now let's see if this means spiritual. Let's see if it means all streaming at the same time. This is the word Paul used. Gathering together 
assembling together, a gathering together in Oh. So you and your home, you and yours, you and yours, you and yours, I'm sorry, you cannot fulfill that scripture by doing so. So you are disobeying God's original word. So does doing that provoke good works? No. It discourages people from the first basic understanding of being Christians that they assemble together in Christ Jesus. Now I want you to notice the next verse after that one. After we're taught about going to church, listen to the very next verse. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Wow. So you mean after good works, then we go into how we're gonna be able to fulfill these good works. We gotta be in a body. We've gotta assemble ourselves together. Then we gotta go to church and then we've gotta be an influence one upon the other. And if you look at this, how that Paul says it about exhorting, it's ministering to each other. You cannot do that. If a person closest to you is 500 miles down the road streaming. If we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth. Notice Paul does not say you've received the truth, but you received the knowledge of it. So you knew it was right, but you never really received the truth. I don't want just the knowledge of it. I want the truth. I want it so much that my life lives what I profess I believe. Oh my, praise the Lord. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. And the church said, Amen. Notice again in James 2, 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So it's like Brother Branham praying for the little boy who was club-footed in South Africa. One of the worst he ever saw. Feet all twisted, one leg shorter than the other. He prayed for him that night. The next day he met his father down on the street there. I actually stood on that street several years ago. Went to the place where Brother Branham stayed. So I walked up and down that street where the meetings were. I wondered whether that little boy was, where his daddy stood, you know, just reminiscing in your mind. Brother Branham sees that little boy's daddy fixing to go buy his little boy a pair of shoes. Now, what was he doing? Putting his face into expression by his works. So he tells us Abraham done the same thing. Him and Sarah went to the doctor and said, doctor, my wife is gonna have a baby. And he said, here with this 100-year-old man and his 90-year-old wife, and he said, they got the bird eye, which y'all know what bird eye is? 
You don't know? Some of you do, some of you don't. All right, Verdi was the name they called cloth diapers in the 50s and the 60s. I just solved a great mystery for many of you. So the Verdi was the diaper. So Abraham and Sarah went into the Toys R Us and all the Babies R Us stuff and they bought up diapers and pacifiers and all these things. You imagine going there and just kind of, you know, waddling around their stuff and say, oh, is this for your great, 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 great grandchildren? I say, no, this is for our boy. Oh, your boy, where is he? Well, we ain't got him yet, but we're expecting him any day. Ain't we, honey? That's right, glory to God. I said, Lord, have mercy, poor old things. Y'all stand right here, we'll call 911. What size jacket do you wear? Oh, the prophet said he went into the doctor's office and said the doctor running plumb out of the office. Well, you know what? It's kind of similar today that the prophet said the doctor can sit and tell you there is no hope. There's nothing else we can do. But he said if God drops that in your heart, you can sit right there and laugh in the doctor's face. Why? Because the same face that was in Abraham is in you. And the doctor say, prepare your funeral. And you say, no, sir, I'm looking at a cruise into Norway. Hallelujah. I'm putting my works with my faith. <laughs> Have you got your casket picked out? Nobody got an address. Because me and my husband's flying to Arizona. But you don't understand. This is terminal. I know I've got to go from the terminal from Atlanta and then I'm going to fly to Salt Lake. I know there's a terminal there, but I'm going to be all right, Doc. Don't worry about it. No, you don't understand. There's never been anybody ever healed of this. Oh, yeah, I remember reading that in the Bible. Uh, let me see. What was his name? Lazarus. Oh, yeah, I remember him now. And they could say nobody has ever been raised. Historically, there's not one record. Facts, there's not one record of a man that had been raised four days after his death. Not one man or a woman after the nose fell in that they ever got up again. Facts. Facts was it was totally impossible. Facts was his body was rotten but the truth was the resurrection and the life stood there and he said Lazarus come forth. So what are we going to believe? What God said or what the doctor said or what your mistakes say? the Lord how many wants good works not provoked to anger young people adults older people how we ought to judge everything we do we ought to judge our effect on people wouldn't it be awful to have to stand before the Lord and you're known as a troublemaker in earth and you stand there and there's a record of you causing this man trouble, that woman trouble, this young person trouble, this person trouble. You put this one through a horrible burden. You put this one through that and this one through that. And there's a whole book of all kinds of nothing but chaos that you caused. Oh, but mama will come to my rescue. Mama might rescue you now, but mama won't be able to erase that book. 
Daddy will not be able to separate. Now, Lord Jesus, I'll tell you what, that run in my family. No. Will everyone have to stand there before the Lord? I could fall back on, well, that's a Reagan way. Well, that's a Shote way. That's a McGillicuddy. That's this and that and the other. But God's going to say, Donnie, I thought you was born again. I thought you had a new nature. Praise the Lord. How many wants a book? A book. Not a page, not a paragraph, but a book of works that have pleased the Lord. Not free rewards. Say, oh, I'm doing this now. I'm going to work and work and work and work and work and work. So I'll have this gigantic encyclopedia, boy. No, your motive still ain't right. You want to do it because Jesus has given you an ability to help. An ability to influence in the right way. An influence to say things that will encourage people. And you want to do it because he gave you that ability. I don't know that I'll ever forget it. Carol and I sat many years ago down in Kentucky where we lived. In a little single wide trailer sitting on the front porch that we built on it. On a swing that I'd put there just talking about the Lord and his mercy. Just talking about what the Lord might want us to do for him. And of course we didn't know. But we just sat there and talked and prayed a little and just said, Lord, whatever you'd like for us to do. We, we, we'd be glad to do it. If you want us to help people, Lord, you put the money in our hands. If you want us to reach out to people, we'll do this and that. We, we don't know. I remember, I'm sitting there, she's sitting there. Nobody knew Donnie Reagan. Nobody knew me. Nobody knew her. If he would have showed me that I was going to travel all over the world. you got to be kidding me. The people from Happy Top saying, Donnie Reagan is going to Africa. Donnie Reagan is going to India. Donnie Reagan, ain't that Don and Betty's boy? you got to be kidding me. That boy ain't even hardly been out of Happy Top. Only place he went to from Happy Top to Wendy. And then from there to Parnell and back. He's going to go around the world. He's going to preach the gospel in all these different nations. Not the Donnie Reagan I know. I agree. It wasn't the Donnie Reagan they knew. It was another one. Who would have ever thought Daryl Ward? Daryl Ward's going to travel everywhere and preach. He's going to pray for people around the world. All kinds of miracles are going to follow. Daryl Ward? But you see, if we can put ourselves into the hands of the Master... If time would tarry, there might be a young man standing here today that'll be a preacher that'll take this message and sweep it around the world. Brother Donnie, what, maybe my son? Maybe. But if he don't do that, maybe he'll encourage one of his little buddies. Maybe they'll grow up a little farther and they'll, they'll come to a spot where they're just going through such hell and they don't know what the answer is. And he'll text his little buddy one day, hey, I was reading my Bible and I thought about you. And Jesus, come on my heart, are you okay? No, I'm, I'm going through terrible, terrible things. Listen, children, don't think that your children are free from this. Our government, our local, our federal government is promoting this transgender thing. Trying to convince our kids 
that they're born boys and they should be girls and this and that and the other. If the devil is doing that to the to kids out there, what do we need to do? Instill in our kids godliness, holiness, righteousness, purity, not selfishness, not self-centeredness. Christ, Christ. Different states, I heard it yesterday, are trying to start sanctuary places to where that if your child, a minor, wants to be a transgender or changed and you won't let them, the government will take them from you and place them in that sanctuary state and let them be changed. Well, the Lord's got a sanctuary state too, but it ain't that bunch of perversion. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. So young people, you can be set free from the world and it's darkness out here and come to this sanctuary in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And what do you think a lot of those transgender kids are gonna do? They're gonna try to make more kids like them. Come on. They're going to try to convince them. Why? Satan broke into God's program of spreading the gospel. So what do you do? You get two or three people that are eat up with this transgender deal. Oh, it started out as a minority, but look how much it's grown in the last few years. Look around us. Look how many men you see with dresses on. Friends, don't be blind. What is it? It's influence. What if the devil learned that influence? Where did he learn it from? He learned it from God and he thought that's a great idea. But if the devil can influence with the power of darkness, what about the power of the gospel? Don't take for granted that your children know that when they're smacked on one cheek to turn the other. What you need to take for granted is they're born with that rebellion in them that if somebody smacks them, they will smack them back. We take too much for granted. You take for granted that everything they look at on their phone is gospel oriented. You might be surprised. I hear it all the time in my travels around the world. Things that folks find out about their kids and the parents are totally blown away. Why? They never asked. They never inquired. And they never even looked at their kids' phones. And they trust them to the high heavens. What in the world's the matter with us? Our kids are as lost as they can be until they are filled with the Holy Ghost. Raised in a message pew does not make them holy. It does not make them righteous. They are born lost. Oh my. We need to spend more time around our family Bible, I think. More time instead of assuming they understand the Ten Commandments. Assuming they understand all the divine principles of this and that. Why don't you ask them sometime? Why don't you ask them to tell you the Ten Commandments? Oh Lord, some of these young men are about to pass out right now. Brother Donnie, hush, hush. We assume they know. We assume they do this. Really? Well, maybe we should assume they've got to be taught and trained. Not only from here. I preach some twice a week. Brother Rob, Brother Joe has them a couple times a week, every other week rather. 
How much time do you have them? Oh, goodness. Well, believe it or not, I love y'all. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What about it, young men? Young sisters? When you stand before Jesus that day, and He opens up your book, and He goes to looking down through what's there, don't you want to flood it with helps to the body, to the saints? But I'm not a preacher. Don't have to be. But you just want your life so full of good things. But remember, not only is there a record of good things, but every argument that you've caused, every fuss that you've caused, every person that you've won at and you've picked at them. I know what that's like. My whole life in school, I was picked at. I was ridiculed. I was laughed at. I was made fun of. I've told you before, boys would bring pornographic magazines to school. And I'd put my hands over my eyes like this. And they'd throw me down on the floor. And they'd take their fingers and pry my eyes open and stick it in front of my eyes. I was called Moses. I was called Daniel. I was called Jeremiah. My response to them was, I'd rather be called that than Lucifer. which is what I call them. I can still remember my first couple of years of school standing, I can remember it like yesterday, standing on the playground at Wayne County Elementary School wishing somebody would talk to me because we were so poor. I had ragged shoes. My britches had holes in them before it was in style. Now your kids pay $75 for a bunch of Levi's where they got a shotgun and blow holes in them. Well, that's the way mine was before it was in style. So it was poor. Always wanted somebody to like me. My whole life I'd been rejected. I come to the message, I thought, boy, I found some real friends here. Little did I know my biggest rejection would be here. So you know what? I know that feeling. I don't want none of our kids to feel that way. I don't want none of our adults to feel that way. But Brother Donnie, we're, we're poor and we don't fit in the church. Whoever treats you bad, you let me know who they are. And I'll pray for them. Oh, you thought I was going to take my belt off, didn't you? Listen, friend, we ought to make everybody feel welcome. I don't care what their skin color is. I don't care how much they make a year. If we ever get to that place, I'll sell this building and we'll move to a storefront. We don't never want to have that attitude. Remember, the Bible says the common people heard him gladly. Do you realize the Lord Jesus would have been the type of person that most people would have shunned? He had one change of clothes. Jesus didn't pack around a suitcase. 
and a whole, whole chariot full of clothes. He had one change. He would have been so poor. Most of us wouldn't have been comfortable being around him. Don't treat people bad because they don't have what you have. Because keep in mind, Jesus was that way one day. One day some disciples come and said, Lord, where you live at? He said, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests. But the son of man don't even own a house. I don't even have a place to lay my head. Can you imagine? Here for 30 years, homeless. Homeless. So he stayed with Lazarus, Mary, Martha. He stayed here. He stayed there. He stayed there. He never had a house. So you realize what some of our attitudes would do? We would have looked down on the Lord Jesus and said, well, he don't make what I make. Look at his car. Jesus never had a car or a chariot or a horse. He never owned a horse. He never owned a buggy. A donkey. He had to borrow a donkey to fulfill Scripture. He had to borrow a tomb to fulfill Scripture. He was so poor, he had to borrow, borrow, borrow. So many of the financial counselors of our day, their doctrine is false because it don't meet with the Lord Jesus' own life. And I wonder how we would treat him. Well, I'll tell you how we would, by the way we treat his kids. Because Brother Random says, the way you treat your brothers and sisters, that's the way you treat Jesus. So if you treat anybody bad or ill because their skin color, their clothes, they're in a different financial bracket than you, then you're treating Jesus that same way. And we get in the air, stick up our nose, the prophet said, if it rained, it'd drown you. <laughs> and what are you anyway? Six foot, 165 pound of dirt. For some of you, five foot, 280, still a big pile of dirt. Just more dirt. Friends, we're nothing. Where do we get this? I'll tell you. We inherited it from our births between Satan and Eve. Our arrogance, our pride. It don't come from God. Oh, I dread tomorrow. Whew. I know the first words is going to come out of her mouth when we get back in that office. She'll walk back in there and I'll be sitting down there with my bottom lip hung down about the bottom of my shoes. She'll walk over at the desk and put her arm on my shoulder. Don't you let the devil beat you down now. We needed that. Don't you let the devil beat you down. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Lord God, forgive us. Jesus, I pray if I have ever treated one of your children in an ill way. Please forgive me.
if I have ever looked down on one, if I've ever had the wrong attitude, Lord, please forgive me. We do not profess to be a perfect people. We profess to have a perfect sacrifice. But we do want to be an obedient people. So when we see we're wrong, we ask you to forgive us. So Lord, I pray that you'd begin with me. Help me, Lord, that how many ever days I've got left in this life. Lord Jesus, that I'll use my time wisely. Lord God, I'll ask you for these sheep that you've put into my charge. Help them, Lord. Help the young, the middle-aged, the elders to realize the allotment of time that we have is precious. They may not believe it now, but it's worth more than their money. What would the richest people in the world laying at the point of death, they'd give everything they own for another hour of life. Because when it all said and done, which is worth the most, life or money, life or wealth, life will win out every time. Lord, may our young people realize they don't need to wait till they're 30 or 40 to have a character that is so representative representative of Christ. Help them to realize everything they do, Lord. If they put a stumbling block in front of someone's way, if they say something to push down instead of lifting up, if they say something to embarrass or humiliate, that was actually recorded in a book in heaven. No wonder your prophet told us if we cannot say something good about people, we should not say anything at all. So in other words, most of us should do a whole lot less talking. We'd be a whole lot better people. But we tend to think if it runs through our crazy head, we better say it, which is totally contrary to the Bible. The Bible says be swift to hear and slow to speak. I'm glad I don't think everything that goes through this knucklehead of mine. Help us, God. Give us wisdom. Oh, no wonder your Bible says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. As a little brief sentence to an individual could encourage them, one of criticism or sarcasm can discourage them to where they feel like there's no need to even go on. I pray, God, there's none of them on my book. Lord, if they are, I repent tonight. If there's any, Lord God, statements that I've made to any of your children around the world that's discouraged or disheartened, I ask you to forgive me, Lord. Let what's written in my book be that I encouraged, I lifted up. Oh, I might have to whoop them a little bit and make them feel a little bad, but in return, it'll make them feel better. Won't you grant it, Lord? I wonder with no one looking around, how many would say that tonight, Lord? 
If there's anything on my book that I, I, I've done against anybody, if I've discouraged and criticized and had sarcasm and, Lord, would you please forgive me? Don't, don't make me meet that, Lord. Anybody just raise your hand to God? God bless you, saints. Oh, my goodness, bless your heart. Those of you out there streaming too, Lord, I know this ain't deep, but oh, Jesus, I think it goes down to where we are. We want to be better people, Father. Lord God, we want to live in a way that you can use us, Lord, and trust us. I believe there's great times laying in front of us, Lord, but I believe that you're calling for us to step higher, get closer, Lord. And no matter how close we think we are to you, we can pretty well judge that by the way we treat our brothers and sisters. So your prophet went on to say that you call men to preach the gospel and the way that people respect that man of God is the way they respect you. So if people disrespect a God-called man, they're disrespecting you. But it's not just limited to the preacher. But Lord, we're members of one another. Help us, Lord. I pray you'd go through the many pages of the book of my life. Lord, if there's anything you find there, dear God, that needs to be taken care of, if I need to speak to anybody, if I need to call somebody up, let me know, Lord. Let me know. Oh, Jesus, may you search every heart in this place tonight. I know it seems unusual, Lord, a couple of services this way, but I'm going to follow your leading, Lord. I know from the service Sunday, the texts, the emails, the phone calls, all the things that I got, it was definitely you, Lord, for whatever reason. You pull us right back that way again tonight. So, Lord, it's for a reason. I'm one of them, I believe, Lord. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We worship you. I just lay my book before you. It'll be too late to try to race any of that stuff then, Lord. When I walk up there before you, I can't grab that book and say, Lord, could I have a few minutes, please? Could I, t- could I take care of a few things? No. Lord God, I want them taken care of tonight. And Lord, I want to love more. I want to understand more. I want to be a, a more yielded Christian so I don't add any new junk into them pages. Let me fill the rest of the pages of my life with good things, mercy, kindness, forgiveness, encouraging works, encouraging words, words to provoke, words to help. Grant it, Lord God. Can we just raise our hands in the presence of the Lord and just however you wish to say it, me too, Lord. Me too, Lord. Take care of anything in my pages, dear God. Just tell them in your way, friends. Oh my, let us walk out of this place tonight with a brand new desire, a brand new determination. Weigh every word. Think about what you say. Think about the way you treat people. You say, boy, I'm gonna get back at them. And remember, when you do that, that is recorded in heaven. And if you do not fix that, that's gonna meet you at that day and then how? Are you going to answer before the Lord then? Oh, my. Search us tonight, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. 
Search the hearts of our kids, Father. Search the hearts of our young men, our young sisters. We want them to be so sensitive before you. We want them to love you with such a fervent passion and desire, Lord God. Help them, I pray, to realize, Lord, their treatment of each other and their love and their respect to the elders and their respect to the ministry. There's so much that we have to be accountable for. Oh, Jesus, we worship you tonight. Teach us these things, Lord. Train us these things. I pray for our youth leaders, Father. I pray for those among us, those elder ones of us, Lord, that might be able to be mentors to them. Help us, Lord. May they be able to look to us. Oh, they may not come and talk to us about a personal issue or this or that, but let them be able to look at some of these elders here and say, oh, I, I, I want to grow up and be like that brother. He's been around for years and years and faithful. Let our lives continue to testify and influence this younger generation, Lord. Grant it, Father, I pray. We worship you, Jesus. May our sisters be able to influence our younger sisters. May our brothers be able to influence the younger brothers. May they learn by our consecration, but may they also learn by our mistakes so that we, oh, Father, can pass down to them, not only do this and do that and do this, but may we be able to pass down, but don't do that and don't do that and don't do that because that's what I did and it cost me. That's what this one did and it cost them. Grant it, Lord. The Bible is written of such things that we might be our admonition, Lord. We worship you tonight, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We worship you tonight, Lord God. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Hey, maybe we can sing that song, This Is Your House. Now, we're going to be having, Lord willing, in just a few days, it'll be right on us, what we're calling our dedication services. And we dedicated, of course, ourselves whenever we first moved in. But this special meetings, and I'm going to have Brother Tim, Lord willing, be speaking Friday night. I'm going to have him to dedicate, and Brother Ron, Saturday night, Brother David Siler on Sunday morning, be speaking for us. But we don't want it just to be a dedication of this place, but we want it to be a dedication of this right here. Isn't that what you want? This building will never preach. This building will never witness. A nurse at the hospital last night said, I understand you're a pastor. I said, yes, ma'am. Where do you pastor? I said, well, we just built a new church over on Oklahoma Road. Word of life. She said, I know where it's at. I've been by it many times. Beautiful place. I said, thank you. Yes, ma'am. But you know what? Being pretty on the outside, that ain't going to save nobody. Brother Bam tells us when he rededicates the Branham Tabernacle, and he preaches the breach. God is simplicity, brother. And he says, the beauty of the church is the character of its people. Some of our friends will be with us from France in our meetings, from Canada, all over the states. I don't know where all they'll be here from. Many of them want to come and look at the building and go through it, you know, just be able to see it. The Lord's give us a nice place. And we're grateful for that. 
But when we leave this place in a rapture, this building will be left sitting right here. Ain't that right? We want to leave. I don't want to be left here with a building. We want to leave with it. How many wants your life to be matching to the Lord? And when you stand before him, your book will be open. And you won't be red-faced and ashamed and say, oh, my goodness, page 328. Oh, goodness, I hope that ain't in there. I caused a stink in the church. Oh, goodness gracious. I remember I did this. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Take care of it now. And don't save no more room in your pages for stinks. But use all your pages for good things. Let's sing it together. Let's just think about it tonight. Let's think on our ways. We dedicate this temple to you, Lord. Listen to the words now. Let your glory Let fill, your glory fill this, sanctuary. this sanctuary. Be enthroned in the praises, the praises of your people. Of your people. Lord, we, we agree, don't we? In, in unity, unity, this is your house. Everybody now. Father, come and dwell. Oh, hallelujah. This is your house. This is your house. A holy house of prayer. Where the lost and the lonely, and the lonely bring their burdens and their cares. And their cares. This is your house. Yes, Lord. This is your, your house. house. Come and dwell. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit. Overflow this place. place. Decorate Decorate our walls with with grace and mercy. Let healing and redemption find searching souls. Lord, have your way. We Yeah. 
This is your house. Jesus, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come and dwell. We dedicate this temple. Dedicate this temple. This temple. To, to you, Lord. Lord. This is what we want. Let, Let your, glory your glory fill the sanctuary. Be enthroned in the praises of your people. Lord, we agree. In unity, this is your house. This is your house. Thank you, Lord God. Come and dwell. Come and dwell. So hopefully with our understanding enlightened a little bit tonight. So if something broke out in your body and your white blood cells began to attack, and what did they do? They go to that infected area, that position in your body, And them little soldiers, as they call it, they begin to rally around that infection. That's something that's going on in your body. So when the doctors will check your blood count, your white blood count is going to be raised and they're going to watch something's going on. Something's not right here. There's an infection somewhere. Something's not right. Your body will respond to a fever and different things will happen. Them little soldiers are giving their life. They're trying to protect you God gave you an immune system. You see, the immunity of the church is not just by staying home, but coming together with the saints of God. So anyone who pulls off and pulls away, you're pulling away from the body's ability and the spiritual immune system to rally around you and to help you. What for? To recover. Not to come and point our finger at you and say, you low down, sorry thing. No, to come and rally around you and to try as soldiers to help lift you up, to get you well. Because when you're sick, when you're sick, if we don't get that under control, it can go through the entire body. Right? We love you. We need you. But that's only half the story. You need us. We need one another. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, draw me close. Closer, Lord, to Draw me close. 
on one another before we go you never know what that person standing beside you has on their heart you don't need to necessarily ask them but I just want you to pray for them that God will strengthen them and help them right now Heavenly Father maybe a little finger is touching an arm maybe an arm is touching a foot as we would say or an ear or an eye or whatever more in the body Lord Jesus maybe those streaming Father, I pray you'd go right there to the hospital tonight, the second floor of Franklin Woods. May Lance lay his hands on Erica. Erica, lay her hands on Lance. As we are praying here, may the Spirit of God go right there to their room and minister to them. Father, I pray for Lance. I pray for Emma, Ellie, Leah, and Maria. This has been a hard thing for them too, Lord. I'm praying for strength for them tonight, Lord God. Them little babies, them little girls have been through so much, Lord Jesus. We pray for them as a body tonight, Father. Lance told me not long ago, somebody asked him, how are you doing? And he said it kind of set him back a little bit. He said, well, to be honest, I don't get that asked very much. Lord, help us to not forget about the Lances and the Emmas and the Ellies and the Leahs and the Marias. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to be so mindful of every one of our brothers and sisters, especially those that we go to church with, Lord. Not to be nosy, as I said, Lord, not to nose around in other people's business, but just to be mindful. This is what the Scripture teaches us, Father, that we would be mindful of one another. So we're laying our hands on each other tonight. May you encourage May you uplift. May you heal. Lord God, right in Brother Darrell's service up in Ohio, he mentioned it here a couple of weeks ago, Lord, a pastor's wife had that, that was choking her in her throat, a gorder on her, on her throat there, Lord, and she's having a hard time swallowing. And he told the people to lay hands on one another, and somebody laid their hands on the pastor's wife, and prayer was made. She come up at the end of the service testifying Almighty God removed that gorder right there instantly. It was not a preacher that touched her, but it was another believer in the assembly. 
You didn't say these signs shall follow preachers alone, but these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Oh, Jesus, heal the sick tonight. Encourage those that are weary. Help us, Lord God. Touch your people, Father. We love you tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you, saints. I love you in the Lord. Did you enjoy the word of the Lord this evening? Amen. Let's just sing this little course as you're dismissed tonight. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Oh, take up your cross and follow Jesus. Take up your cross every day. Oh, don't be ashamed to say that you know Him. Count the cost, take up your cross and follow Him. Well, I know sometimes the road is long. And I know sometimes like you can't go on but you can make it you just take, take up your cross take up your cross and follow Jesus take, take up your cross every day You know him. Count the cost. Take up your cross and follow him. What are you doing for the king? Have you really given everything for the one who? gave his life for you take up your cross take up your cross and follow Jesus take up your cross So have you forgotten what you
Follow 